is it that every leadership expert is telling us? What is the secret sauce to what it means to becoming an effective leader? What is the key to unlocking that door behind which lies, behind which lies, organizational performance, team agility, organizational health, psychological safety, a growth mindset, grit, better meetings, better teams, revenue growth, missional impact, fields of ponies and posies, and people who are engaged, seen, compensated, and included. <laughs> what is the key? What is that? the key to that door? What do they know that they've been trying to convince us is true? What is in the best-selling leadership books, keynotes, roundtables, and panels that, whether supported by research or not, is at the heart of their message? There is something there, something all those experts are saying in different ways, but what is it? What have we learned about what it means to lead our organizations? What is the revolution we are in? I'll get there, but I want to ask you something first. Why do you want to know? Why do you want to know? In this moment, in your understanding and practice of leadership, why are you looking for the key to that door? For some of you, it's because you support leaders and you are looking for something, anything to inspire them to change their ways. For others of you, you find yourself in a leadership crisis, either personally or among your team. You need to know where you're going next and you need to know where to start to get the train of, on your team uh, or organization back on track. Um, and for some of you, you may feel like you're a bit off track and, and you're wondering if there might be some shared wisdom that you could help could help get ready, help you get ready to feel confident and efficacious again. What do these folks know that might help all of us? I am Dr. Rob McKenna and welcome to the Wild Conversation, where we make the best thinking in psychology, leadership and organizational science accessible to leaders who are willing to learn and edit for their sake and for the sake of others. And today we're talking about this. What is every leadership expert telling us? Um, and so let's get in. Scene one, we are in the 1940s and we got invited to a house party. Some of you remember house parties? And all they told us was that it was gonna be a wild ride. In walks Gordon Alport. Gordon walks into the room and says, traits leaders are born we can see it it is such a strong thing they just have it and if we can find what they have we can make organizations effective it's a huge idea i know gordon tells us but it's possible let's figure out the traits we need and go find those leaders the trait approach i declare i claim it this is my theory it's all about personality and traits as Gordon sits in the kitchen, ruminating on his thoughts about traits, in walks a cast of researchers from the Ohio State University. They walk in somewhere between 1940 and 1970, and they say, Gordon, yeah, sure, traits matter, but there's more. It's not just traits, but behaviors, things these leaders are doing. Some of them are more about showing consideration for people, and others are more about initiating and building structure. We call it the styles approach. The idea that certain behaviors are more or less effective for leaders. Some of us are good at structure, and some of us are good at consideration for others. Scene interrupted. Rudely, rudely, a group of researchers, wolverines, if you will, barge through the front door from the University of Michigan, two-fisting beers 
and chanting hail to the victors with blood in their eyes as they're going for the jugular of their Ohio State enemies. Sorry to interrupt, but there's more. It's not just leadership styles that matter. We discover that leaders have preference, but preferences between those styles. Some are focused on the people and some are focused on the task. As their Ohio State and Michigan experts argue in a dark corner of the room, one from Ohio State whispers to her peer from Michigan, I know we're not supposed to like each other or learn from each other, but I have to ask, have you all figured out how leaders do both at the same time? Because we have this two by two that looks like yours, that tells us that both people and tasks focuses are necessary, but it takes work to do both tasks and people well. Are you, are you seeing the same things? To which the enemy friend from Michigan whispers back in fear his colleagues might see him talking to the Buckeye says, yes, we're seeing that same thing. Suddenly as if on cue in this conversation that has literally been occurring in this room for decades. In 1955, a man named Robert Kotz enters the room and declares, stop, we know more. Skills are, diff skills are quite different from traits or qualities of leaders. Skills are what leaders can accomplish, whereas traits are what leaders, who leaders are. It's not enough to talk about preferences or a simple two-by-two two between tasks and people. We must talk about what, leaders, what a leader has to get done. To which the Ohio State whisperer says to her new friend from Michigan, I'm looking at his list of skills and abilities, and to be honest, it looks like half of them are people-oriented and half of them are task-oriented. Are you noticing that too? After which she realizes she's whispering to no one because her surprising Michigan friend actually is left to relieve himself in the bathroom. After a heated discussion over lunch regarding artificial intelligence, the future of energy production, and Taylor Swift's latest album, those still at lunch hear a ruckus coming from the living room as two men declare, I am Ken Blanchard and I am Paul Hersey, and we are the fathers, we like to call ourselves that, of what from henceforward shall be called situational leadership theory. We will blow your minds because it's not only about traits or styles or preferences or skills and abilities of leaders. We introduce you to a new actor in the play of life that changes everything. Their presence will surprise you. It is the context and even more important, the follower. We hypothesize. No, that's not, that's too weak, says Percy and Blanchard. Uh, we propose. No, that's too passive. We proclaim, yes, proclaim that a leader's behavior Along two dimensions of being directive and supportive, the way the leader should respond is dependent upon the willingness, what we're going to describe as the motivation and the ability of the followers. Imagine that. If the leader knows those two things, they will know how to respond. Aren't we amazing? The crowd mutters in disbelief. Our two surprising friends in the corner whisper to each other. Makes good sense. I think he's onto something. It's really an extension of our two-by-two two of task and people, but it hadn't occurred to us to think about the follower and that the leader's response of focusing on being more task-directive or people-centric might depend on the motivation and ability of the follower, to which the Michigan man says to the Ohio State friend, you need another drink? Yeah, me too. This has gotten good. As the evening approaches and the martinis rolled on, the air in the room was lighter, more inviting, almost as if the partygoers had begun to learn something together. At the, just the moment where it seemed like it was time to call it a night, the number of people at the party had increased as more theorists, leaders, and practitioners and experts had shown up. Fred Fiedler, 
was in one corner, talking about contingency theories of leadership and that the relationship between the followers and the leader mattered. It was based on his research that task-motivated styles were different than relationship-motivated styles and that there is a dynamic exchange between leaders and members of the organization. His theory made sense to the others on the chairs and couches around him, but there was some speculation about whether or not his theory could be proven. As the partygoers began grabbing their coats and sharing contact info and LinkedIn profiles, someone showed up late and barged through the front door. I'm Peter, Peter Drucker, and let's pull it all together. End scene. Okay. All right. Okay, wild peeps. <laughs> there is more to this story. If there were more party goers who entered, it would be the last 30 years of work on just how leaders learn and grow on the job. Huge moves in our understanding of agility, learning, motivation, structure, et cetera. Um, and I honestly, I don't know whether to apologize or take a bow, but there is, there is a point to the story. We have learned a lot over the last century. That's a century, y'all. 100 years about leading and leadership. The original Ohio State study started in the 40s. Like, it's crazy. And I want to suggest to you that it's, that at its core, there's something we have discovered that every, every leadership expert is trying to convince you of. And there's even more, the integration of the message. Um, every, every, thing, every leadership expert is saying something or focusing their attention on one side or the other. Both will always be true. There is a fundamental truth in our experience of leading and leading organizations. Let me just give you some of the language. You can look up the different people and we have our own language for this. Smart organizations and healthy organizations, which is short for strategy and all the business stuff and all the people stuff. Initiating structure and consideration. That's the Ohio State framework. The people in the process. The people in the task is what the Michigan folks said. Sometimes we call it the heart and science. Compassion and conviction. Strength and weakness. Task and people. Uh, employee orientation and production orientation is a whole other area. Content and context. In the leading under pressure inventory, we talk about attention to self and attention to others. This thing, this fundamental tension, this paradox, if you will, has, has we've known this has been true forever. And so it's not something that is new, but it is at the heart of this story is this. If we're going to create better organizations, we're going to have to constantly attend to the fundamental tension between people and process. It is a fundamental truth. And from there, there is even more. People and processes at the core. Then we introduce the reality of leaders understanding their, their own competencies, their defaults. Because they're different, leaders are nuanced and different. The needs of followers, their personality, their context, and where context will not make a difference, their own needs. And the fundamental truth that is often not talked about, that the leaders we are invested in and the people they lead are fallible, fragile, and wonderful and capable of so much. Human beings, meaning they have a whole story that matters. This is at the heart of what whole and intentional leader development is about. While leadership experts will swing from people to process, we are in a people swing right now, I would say culturally. You see it, a focus on compassion and care, which, is, which matters, but, it, but both will still matter. The fundamental truth is that people and process will always matter and be undivorceable as family members. If we separate them or over pivot to one over the other, we will miss the heart of what it means to be effective. And I strongly suggest that process can never trump people, even if it means we sacrifice our personal revenue or our organizations. But if process is removed, 
we will most certainly fail to serve people because these two are impossible to separate. And this is where a whole and intentional investment in our people comes into play. And the last two decades have introduced something more in terms of an emphasis on leadership, leadership and people development. At its best, people and leadership development is an intentional integration of the needs of the one with the needs of the many. The intentional integration of the needs of the organization and its purposes, its progress with the needs of the individual leader and employee, this idea is not new, but it is rare. And as Dr. Halleck said last week, a whole approach to leader development, which is at the core of our mission and business at Wild Leaders, is so true to the decades of research and so true to our experience as human beings, but unfortunately outside of convention. Why do we ignore the decades of learning that has taken place regarding the fundamentals of leadership and people development organizations? I don't know why we do. Maybe we like short answers to complex problems, even if they don't really help us. Maybe the urgent overwhelms us over the important. What I do know is that every leadership expert is telling us that care for people and intentional systems and structure are important. So let's do both. Even better, let's align development with the needs of the business and the needs of the one. And if you want that and you don't know WILD or what we do, I hope you'll connect with us or with someone here who's a part of the WILD conversation because we have seen it work over and over and again. When Peter Drucker walked in at the end of that party, what did he say? He said this, I come to you in 1966 and I want you to hear this. The executive's job is to be effective. The executive can, the ex effectiveness can be learned. And let me read you what he actually said. Only executive or leader effectiveness can enable this society to harmonize its two needs. Do you hear him? It's two needs. The needs of organization to obtain from the individual the contribution it needs and the contribution of the individual to have the organization as his or her tool for the accomplishment of his or her purposes. And he finishes his book. He finishes his book, The Effective Executive, with this. And Dean McKay, I am back into your brother, Peter Drucker, all the time right now. He finishes his book, The Effective Executive, and he says this effectiveness must be learned. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening to this Wild Conversation. To join our live Wild Conversation on Fridays, visit our website at wildleaders.org backslash wild conversation and subscribe to this podcast for regular whole and intentional leader development conversations. Have a great day.